Adventure Presentation. Welcome back to another Untitled Movie Review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside, he's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato meter approved, Eric Merchin. Matt, are you feeling marvelous today? I have a marvelous day every day, Eric. Uh, welcome back from Aruba. Uh, we've been on a little bit of a hiatus because of, you know, a plethora of things. Our schedule this year, completely out of whack, uh, much like <laughs> much like some of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But um, we're back at it. Eric's back from Aruba. We'll have a ton of reviews in the next couple weeks for uh, some awesome, awesome stuff. Uh, you guys can check out what I thought about uh, the Loki finale over on Kind of Funny on Screencast. I popped over there to talk about the Loki season two finale and the series as a whole uh, with that crew, which was awesome. Uh, so we have some stuff out there, but we've taken a little bit of a break. Uh, this year has been a little bit all over the place, but uh, I think for the rest of the year moving into next year, we should be on a more regular schedule. It just kind of depends on what we have. Uh, going on but i always love when we have a new mcu movie eric and when we can talk about it and the future of the mcu and if this movie uh, uh worked or did not work uh it's been out for a few days uh we're a little delayed recording this so we are going to go full spoilers on this one um so if you haven't seen the marvels uh quickly i think it's a fun movie i don't know if you need to like rush out to go see it you could probably wait for disney plus or something like that but it is a big budget like action heavy movie with some fun fight sequences i do really think it is worth seeing um it's light it's easy it's like 97 minutes i definitely think that you could maybe uh like i i don't understand the hate for it uh that it's getting because i actually just think it's kind of more of these like easy watches that don't need to necessarily be the the next greatest big thing like they just can be fun popcorn movies i think are worthwhile so uh, if you haven't go gone to see it eric and i feel similar you'll get our full thoughts uh in a moment but we are going to just talk about the movie as a whole since it's been out for a while okay that's the whole spiel uh eric how are you though welcome back well, thanks, Matt. I just quickly want to say it was delightful seeing you as a floating head on the yeah. kind of funny uh, uh, podcast uh, video and video wall. show <laughs> of it. Like just you just being like, whoa, and everybody else being uh, uh, in, in studio was was yeah. was great. Um, and also, I uh, just wanted to quickly mention you posted this on your Instagram today. So, you know, people that are watching now probably have no context for this, but you're meeting some furry new friends out there. Oh, I went you're for a walk today, and uh, this is what the people came for <laughs> on uh, the Marvel's <laughs> review. Uh, I went for a walk right before this with my wife, and man, we were walking, and we go on this walk right near our house uh, in Toronto, in, in northern North Toronto, Etobicoke area. Uh, this walk we go on all the time, and man, five feet from us, 10 feet from us on this path that we always walk, just this big ass deer with like this buck. And I was like, holy shit. We just like stopped there. And then there was another, it was like a buck and a doe um, uh, that were right there, whether they were like husband and wife, brother, sister, who knows. Um, but they were like, or mother or father, daughter, who the hell knows. But it was like this big ass buck and this small doe. And uh, they were like 10 feet from us. And they were like, I guess, really used to seeing. Um, and uh, for those of you that are in the US, not a common thing to just see deer as much as you might not know anything about Canada. Like it's just and this is a like a pretty like 
you know, suburban area for the most part. And like, it is a very beautiful walk, but we just stood and watched this deer for a while because it was so fucking close to us. And I've never been that close to a, a deer. Um, you usually see them and they get very skittish and run off right away or whatever, but, uh, it just stood there and I got a really cool photo. So if you're watching this right away or listening right away, you can see that on my Instagram and maybe it's a, uh, it's just a picture of a deer, but it was cool to me in the moment. <laughs> Now. It was cooler than the Winter Soldier, <laughs> that's for sure, Bucky, right? Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, but Nia DaCosta's The Marvels, our first kind of um, team-up, not our first, but the first in a while team-up movie taking you know three characters from different franchises, two of those characters being from Disney Plus shows. So the kind of the first time we're seeing um, like major Disney Plus characters have major roles in, in in a film as well as bringing back Brie Larson's Captain Marvel um, for a second go around after a few cameos in the Avengers movies and things like that. Um, we're recording this on Sunday, um, so we will add this into the conversation. And Eric and I usually like to talk about, you know, the history or the future of the MCU and the history at the end of these episodes, but um, didn't perform super well. Might be the lowest uh, weekend for an MCU movie ever or in a very long time um so that's kind of a bummer but um we'll get into all of that but uh first i already kind of gave my quick thoughts uh when i warned people about spoilers so eric i'll kick it over to you what did you think of nia DaCosta's the marvels yes as uh, my dog boris barks in the background um I, I'm pretty much on on the same page as, as you. I'm, I'm not wearing my Martin Scorsese shirt, so I didn't think it was bad. And I think a big part of that is that Nia DaCosta realizes that this is a movie that can just be fun. It can be disposable entertainment. You can have something that's under two hours and still sell the point of what you're doing, which is a team-up movie, but you don't necessarily have to make it uh, precious and about sort of like you know, these characters and their evolution is is the most important thing within, you know, two to three hours worth of, of entertainment. So when you're watching something like this, you feel as if you're, um, you know, in and out and you've gotten everything you needed to, to get from, you know, this kind of, I guess, another sort of stepping stone movie in a way. Um, it's very ephemeral. It kind of dissolves out of your mind after you've watched it. I probably won't think about it again, um, but there's some good stuff in there. I, I think uh, Amon Vellani in particular is excellent here. And she has this kind of effortless exuberance that really brings an enthusiasm um, to the narrative. I wish I saw what Ms. Marvel saw in Captain Marvel in terms of her fandom of her, because the way she talks about her, the way that she's obsessed with this character, I want to see that in Brie Larson's performance. And I never did. And I think that if you do, or if you, if you can get there, I think it would help quite a bit in really making the movie special but because it's not reciprocated in that way it kind of feels a little bit one note the most sort of exciting aspect of captain marvel is the animated version that you see in the drawings of of kamala khan and mm -hmm. so when you're watching this you think to yourself man like that version of Captain Marvel is so amazing. And Brie Larson is a very good actor, obviously an Oscar winner. You know, Short Term 12 is is, is an amazing performance and, and she's done some excellent work. But there's just something here about that kind of stoic quality that kind of feels a little bit stilted and awkward. And she hasn't really found 
her footing in that way. And so you have someone like Amon Vellani really doing a lot of the heavy lifting. And so do um, so does uh, Tiana Paris as Monica Rambo. And there are moments within the dynamic between Monica and uh, Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers, where you're watching Monica be a little bit more resistant to having that family reunion with Carol and Carol, because, you know, there's some animosity there. There's a little bit of tension with getting back to meeting somebody because you feel like there's some unresolved issues. And that felt very real. And that was, I think some of the best stuff in this film, you know, when it comes to Coke on my keyboard. Oh my God, what have you done? (laughs) Um, But that's the stuff that I think works the best. And, and, and the idea of, asking for help when you need it and not sort of taking the sole responsibility of saving the universe uh, by yourself and, and actually, you know, making this effort to reach out to somebody, whether it be extending the olive branch or just saying, Hey, you know, can you help me with something that in terms of uh, what I need to do and, and complete it, but also just like to be someone to talk to in a situation and to kind of resolve those issues and not take it on uh, all alone, I think is what really is sort of the, the main selling point of it. It's not the action set pieces. It's not, you know, the villain of the week played by Zowie Ashton, who's another uh, Cree sort of, um, head facilitator that's kind of you know coming into the situation and creating this uh sort of jumping off point a little or a little jump point that has these sort of marvel characters switching places every time they power up so yeah the strongest stuff there is the bonding between the trio but also just the idea of monica having some um sort of she's a little bit resistant towards meeting up with Captain Marvel again. And I think that stuff is really what sells the film. Yeah. I'm we're pretty much exactly on the same page. Even me as the bigger kind of MCU guy that does want these movies to continue to succeed in this universe to continue it succeed and, you know, uh, reinvent itself and evolve and different things like that. Like I do think this movie's a bit of empty calories. Like it's just like you said, sort of in your eyeballs outside the back of your head, you're not really kind of retaining a ton of it. Um, I think it's an improvement on the first Captain Marvel movie uh, for me personally. Like the more I watch that movie, the more it just never clicks. I don't think Brie Larson really worked in the role. Like I just find the 90s setting felt kind of irrelevant in that. And like, there's not, there's not a ton there to enjoy in that first Captain Marvel movie. I think it's fine. I, uh, but um, I think Amon Vellani is the the standout, is the future of the MCU or one of the uh, the futures of the MCU. I think she injects such a burst of energy into this, much like the energy that you found in the Miss Marvel show. I think her interactions with Carol and um, and Tayona Paris's character, um, Monica Rambo, like I, I think that the three of them work really, really well together. Where uh, I think it does elevate the Captain Marvel character and elevate. Brie Larson's performance where she's a little bit of a part of an ensemble instead of having to carry the movie on her back. Um, I'm with you where she still hasn't quite figured out the role, I think, or, and I don't think that's fully her fault. I think it's, you know, 
Kevin Feige and, you know, the brain trust of the MCU and even Nia Acosta working on this movie. Like they, they brought a little bit more personality into Carol Danvers into this, I think, but still not enough to your point, which is a great one of like what Kamala sees in Captain Marvel. Right. And you go and it's, you start to think of going like, why would this character be so obsessed with Captain Marvel? Like, have we, has she gotten enough of her to really like, you know, obviously there's comic books and there's all these different things made from her. And I, and I know that when they all saved the universe in Endgame, that it made them all these gods essentially that people idolize. And, you know, the addition of Carol being, you know, you know, I know there was Black Widow and things like that, but the first prominent like uh, woman on the Avengers team and being such a huge part uh, of, and that's not superhero woman on the Avengers team because Black Widow's in a, a little bit of a different character, uh, a character a category is what I'm talking about. But well, yeah, I, like I, the I, idea of like a solo movie, yeah. right? Because it took Marvel a lot longer for so long, yeah, to to get Black Widow's own film or right. or Captain Marvel, where you know that was like the one criticism or or positive on the DC side of things, where Wonder Woman Wonder came Woman in right and away, yeah. and it made. Marvel look a little bad in terms of yeah okay, totally well, we need so to get more female representation here in terms of so, a solo movie and part of you goes okay that's maybe why Kamala is so obsessed with Captain Marvel and I understand it as a young woman she would be especially who loves the Avengers and loves superheroes so I kind of get it but then you're starting to see a little bit more of that and that personality in this movie I don't think it fully works but the them as a trio is phenomenal um, I think some of the action sequences are a blast like i do like the power switching and the entanglement through all of them um i think the first sequence that's happening in the three panes of action in kamala's home in in jersey uh on the space elevator with nick fury uh coming down from sword as well as brie larson on i forget where she is but fighting somewhere else but the three of them all kind of jumping back and forth and i think it was chaotic in the sense where they didn't know how to how they were sw switching, but the action and the music and everything really worked in that sequence. I would like to see a little bit more of it in that final act when they're using it against. Um, uh, it's Zowie Ashton's character. Yes, yeah. What's it? Darvell is that her name or no? no I thought it was Darben. Darben, thank you. I keep going Vel because of Marvel. Um, yeah, but that Darben. also goes to show you how um, you know, like I know villain the villain is the weakest is so part. And, yeah, and it's nothing against Zowie Ashton, but like I, I really just feel like it is. You mentioned villain of the week. Marvel's already always kind of had a villain problem, other than a few standouts. Um, this kind of continues that where it is a little bit of you know, um, what's his name from the first Captain Marvel movie. Um, and he was in Guardians and stuff too. God, why am I blanking on everything? Today? On uh, Captain Marvel um, and, and Guardians. Uh, oh, uh, um, um, well, I know Lee Pace, uh, right? Yeah, Lee Who's Pace's character. Ronan. Um, Ronan. Yeah. Okay. See, that's that's the thing. <laughs> like, it's just you for, it's, it's yeah, it, it's it a little bit just of, evaporates. I know, and this is someone who is obsessed with this and knows a lot about this universe. But there are certain aspects where you're like, that just just vanilla or boring or you know the motivations are fine and the movie moves at a very fast pace almost too fast at times but then you're kind of appreciate the, sh the short runtime because it doesn't kind of linger on things that are just nonsensical or or don't really need more depth like yeah would you like a little bit more from the three leads and things like that yes but like we got that in those individual shows with you know 
uh, Monica in WandaVision and a whole show on Miss Marvel. And we've gotten a lot from Captain Marvel in the first film and um, subsequent Avengers movies, even though she's not in those a lot. But um, I think you get enough where you can just kind of drop them into an adventure. It's very comic booky. Um, in a good way. Um, and, and yeah, I just, I, overall, I think it's a, it's a really good time. I laughed quite a bit. I thought the action was fun. Um, and yeah, does it have, you know, could you skip this and be okay if you're like an MCU, you know, you, you want that interconnected universe of what that big, you know, multiverse saga story is other than maybe a post credit sequence, like, and some punching of it holes into reality and time and space and stuff, which is like, they are using time and space in the multiverse in, in every single movie, even if it's like in a little way to try to tie everything together, um, in this saga, but much like secret invasion, which again, never mentioned once. In this, in this <laughs> well, I guess, I guess the mention show. would be, um, you have Nick Fury in this, and then also the scrolls are a part of it, but it does feel like the, not the writers for this, including Nia DaCosta, but as the, the, the Marvel machine doesn't know what to do with them because in this storyline, you have the um, scrolls in a moment of, of, of feeling like they're dislocated and they are, you know, being moved from one planet to another. Yeah. Yeah, And then you have, um, you know, the Cree that they're kind of trying to find like uh, a way to sort of keep the peace and, and, you know, Nick Fury's sword is kind of coming in and sort of helping with the negotiations. And it's very, um, you know, delicate in terms of how they're handling things, but it then kind of removes that completely. And then when that's removed, I don't need to have another hour kind of dealing with that, obviously, like that's fine. Oh, we got a whole show about that. Yeah. But it does feel at this point, they don't really know what to do with those characters and even the sort of the peace treaty aspect of it and the intergalactic politics of it, it almost felt a little bit like Star Trek six where you had Starfleet Academy sort of trying to find a common ground with the Klingon, but it just never really resolves to the point where you have Tessa Thompson come in and she's just like, okay, I'll which take I, uh, which I missed. Cause I was Klingon to new Asgard. <laughs> Yeah, which doesn't – here's the thing. So, okay, spoilers, everyone. We're going to spoil Secret Invasion. We won't spoil Loki Season 2 yet because I know it just aired. We will talk a little bit about it at the end of this show. Um, but at the end of – Eric, have you even caught up with Secret Invasion? But I have, you don't yeah. care if, Oh, you did watch did. it. It's, it's terrible. <laughs> it's really bad. I didn't need um, to watch it. <laughs> no, you didn't at all. But, like, at the end of that show, Nick Fury goes up with his scroll wife to sword or, or – um, in in the sword station in, in the sky. And then you have Dermot Mulroney's president of the United States declaring war against all aliens on Earth. Um, and then it seemed like the last of the scrolls were on Earth. But then in this movie, you're like, nope, joke. Uh, they're actually here as well. And uh, um, they're spread around. And then you have uh, Valkyrie come in and take them back back to earth which was just a clear unless this takes place right before secret invasion um which could be possible but that's I, weird too that's very yeah. convoluted then because but i think like, this was originally supposed to come out before it right so like right. i because nick fury's wife nowhere to be found and when all of this is happening she would have been one of the people eaten by the flurkins to be brought back down to to earth and stuff and you don't think nick fury's running to his wife to be like hey 
shit's going down. We need you to a cat, a cat to eat you to bring you back down to earth. Um, so like it, it's shit like that where secret invasion just, it, it, it feels like this weird thing that happened that they might just pretend never happened. <laughs> like, like the eternals like, with, uh, yeah, one of the, the, the gods, the frozen God, right? Yeah. The, yeah. In the, in the, I think they will go back to that. There are rumors that in brave new world, the captain America movie that they might revisit that. But then we've also heard that they might reshoot that entire movie. So, uh, <laughs> oh, God. Oh, and that's God. The, the, I think that is the problem with some of the Marvel movies is because they are, catering to the widest audience possible so when they do the test screenings and something doesn't play or doesn't track they'll reshoot it and then they'll rewrite it and then then there's too many cooks in the kitchen too right where if you have yeah kevin feige can't be in a million places at once and yes you do have a brain trust that's kind of guiding all of these things but one of the biggest problems i think is oversaturation and there's been too many things and they, when they all have to connect, it's hard. And this is a very comic booky thing, right? Like this is why comic books were so hard to get into for some people is because the continuity, right? Is like you jump in and they, you're, you're, uh, reading an Iron Man comic, but then there's like storylines from other comics, and then there's this whole history where some of it is continuity, some of it's not, but then books contradict themselves because Iron Man does one thing in this book, but when he shows up in another book, it's something different. And like, so that's starting, we're starting to see that trickle into the movies and TV shows because of this oversaturation where you go, wait, does secret invasion, like, did that not matter? No, it didn't. I'm like, okay, does that, you, you start to go, well, does it take place after? And then you're like, I'm overthinking this. It doesn't matter. Nothing from that show is going to like continue on. You left it with a, incredibly overpowered um probably the most powerful being in the universe um with uh uh god this is how forgettable that series was and i'm really bad but um what's her name from game of thrones uh amelia clark's character um uh being like a super scroll that has every power from every avenger and you're like what <laughs> like and yeah. then that and then now wouldn't that be the person you call for anything so it's just like all right, let's maybe hope that uh, when reality breaks, um, that gets erased from. <laughs> I think from, reality's already broken at this yeah. point. And so, in anyways, the MCU. we're overthinking it. But I think watching this movie, those are things that I'm thinking about. However, the movie is is so much fun that I go, eh, who cares? You get to a point where you're like, don't take it too seriously, and just try to have fun with it. And yes, it can all be connected. Yes, it can be building to a giant. A saga or something like that but like also if you notice continuity errors or things aren't all adding up or it's taking too long it's like everyone just relax like just try to enjoy them and i, I do think we have an oversaturation problem and i but the thing is with loki season two that just finished and the marvels it kind of gave me like a glimmer of hope where i'm like no this thing isn't dead quite yet like it's not <laughs> like it's people calling for its its funeral i think is way too early i think you know this is getting very mixed reviews it's not performing well at the box office um i I don't know what the viewership on, on loki was and stuff like that but i think that loki finale which was i think the mcu at its best where it's character driven uh but the special effects are great the action sequences are fun 
the storytelling is on point where it's bringing back the 15 year history of a character and making it all come full circle. And it is the reason why I love this shared universe. It is the reason why I continue to love these movies and these shows. Um, but then you can have something like this too, that can just be like a fun reprise for a bunch of characters that didn't get to interact yet. And they all get to interact together and have a good time and beat a bad guy. And that can be it. And it's like, okay, we left you some little, Reese's pieces that might go to Kelsey Grammer, but like it's it's like it, it's and that's fine. It's just like okay, when will we see the payoff of that? I'm still also wondering why they didn't revisit the Shang Chi post credit sequence in this or something yet. And like, but I guess that will be for Shang Chi and 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 his second movie or Kang Dynasty or something like that. But um. Yeah, I, I'm I'm rambling on a little bit. I and the rest of the movie, like I like the flurkin sequence with the memories from cats. Right? Is it memory that they yep. play? Um, I thought that was a lot of fun. Um, there's some really funny jokes actually, like um, when Car or when Kamala's falling and then swaps with Carol at the last minute, and Nick Fury goes, "Oh, it's just Carol." <laughs> like when she hits the ground, <laughs> I laughed really hard at that. Um, I think Tiana Paris handles the exposition of summing up WandaVision pretty well. Oh, it's so (laughs) funny, dude. I laughed really, really hard. Um, and when it's self-aware like that, it, it, it is, can be very, very funny when the characters say something that they know is absolutely ridiculous and like the, just the chances that, you know, the little girl from Captain Marvel um also gets superpowers because the thing it's, it's ridiculous, right? Once you start actually thinking about it all, like just the the coincidence of it all and, and and things like that. But, but that's also um, interesting as well, right? Like in terms of what I was talking about before with like, even the family, was it he who remains the whole time he's been painting the way. Yeah. Do you have control of your own destiny or, or is it, it somebody else controlling it? But the idea that Kamala Khan is, you know, fanning out over, um, you know, Captain Marvel, where you see Monica now kind of being a little bit more reserved or jaded by who Carol Danvers is and Captain Marvel is, you see that aspect of like, okay, well, Monica was where Kamala was when she was maybe even a little younger, where she idolized her aunt, you know, as a superhero and always wanted her to come back. But now, you know, when you grow up, you see your heroes differently. And even the idea in this storyline of, holding Captain Marvel accountable for her yeah. own actions um, and how she treats the Kree and the planet of Hala. Um, I thought that was actually really well done in terms of criticizing, you know, the heroes of being faulty or when you see some of the scrolls dying when their planet is being terraformed and, you mm-hmm. know, they're being displaced and not all of them are saved. I, I think that does work um, even though uh, you do feel like, Maybe that's a little too serious for something yeah, like this. Fun. this. Yeah, yeah. You know, that, that almost is where like the secret invasion aspect is coming in a you little almost, bit. I almost wish they went further into those, but the movie moves at such a breakneck pace and is scaling more towards the fun side of things that I also really like the Captain Marvel went back to Hala and, and destroyed the Supreme Intelligence, which then made that planet. Uh, crumble and then never went back to fix anything or try to fix things or or maybe sort of did but then just was so embarrassed by it that she just kind of went into like I like that kind of character building of like why she never went back to earth and why she was trying to do things in 
in space and things like that too. So I, I just, the movie doesn't go super deep into any of that because it's probably sh- short. I'm sure a longer cut probably did, but then probably just slogged the movie down. So they probably just chopped a lot of that out. But I agree with you that both those and even like you can't save everyone to your point. Like those are two pretty good concepts that are just kind of touched on in this movie, even though tonally maybe doesn't work with the rest of it. Yeah. And when you're watching those scenes, they do feel like they're from a maybe tonally darker film where a lot of the movie is about sort of like the fun of, you know, swapping back and forth and playing with those action set pieces and the editing of the film. Then um, figuring out the powers to intergalactic was kind of fun too. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think what I was most surprised about and I don't know if it was really a good thing. It was just more so like, oh, I didn't realize that until the end credits because the the cinematographer has such a Sean Bobbitt. I didn't, I didn't know that this, you know, this is, this is Steve McQueen's, you know, go to DOP and, you know, just shot Judas and the black Messiah. It's so, and and the place beyond the pines. So when you're watching, when you're watching this, there's not a lot there that would suggest his signature, but it is interesting that he's shooting this in the same way that Robert Richardson shot, you know, Venom two. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I, or Matthew Libatique shooting the first Venom, you know? Yeah. Or the first couple Iron Man movies, but he was shooting yeah. those back on film and those look really great. I, I, yeah. I don't know if anything stood out to be like, Oh damn, this looks better than other Marvel movies. Right. But it's like, not Rachel I, Morrison. That's no. You know. And I think that there are moments like the cinematography is good, but in, in a serviceable way, right? Like there's never once where I'm like, Oh, this looks ugly. Like the movie does look like a $200 million movie, right? It's not like some of the Disney plus shows where you're like, some of the special effects don't work or even in Thor love and thunder or quantum mania. When you start to see some <laughs> special effects and you're like, Oh boy. Um, I never noticed that quite in this movie, like I, it did seem expensive more on the guardian side of things. Cause it is that cosmic side of stuff where it like, it felt like it was on that level with the special effects. And then with Sean Bobbitt's cinematography, I did think uh, the fight sequences were shot fairly well of the camera following the characters. And then that swapping felt pretty seamless to me. And I thought the choreography in the action sequences and especially with the camera choreography actually worked quite well with them but yeah I, I i agree with you that it's not like black panther and where you go oh god damn this looks really really good or there's some really interesting you know camera choices and, and stuff like that um but it's serviceable that's i guess uh, and it lets him go out there and go okay yeah let me try my hand at a at a superhero movie right will he have, do one again maybe not but or maybe he will, of- because because these guys, like, you know, you have to think of, like, actors, you know, or, like, anybody in, in any right. field. It's like, it sometimes these smaller movies, than- yeah, don't, you know, Hunger is one of the best shot movies, I think, in, in the last 20 years, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's like, okay, it's going to sustain them financially, so you need to look for work, and, you know, a lot of directors, when they're not um, making movies, and, and James Gray's talked about this a lot is they'll go and shoot commercials. You know, Earl Morris does that all the time too. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't, you know, um, sort of taint their brand or anything. It's just like work is work, right? And and you're just looking for work. But it is like the Daniels doing Star Wars too, right? Yeah. Or even Roger Deakins, you know, branching out and doing the Bond movies, you know, like obviously those films, they, they have more of a stamp visually speaking, but, or, you know, you, you have Greg Frazier with, uh, the Batman. So, you know, you sometimes do have those 
cinematographers with such a visually distinct style working with a director who can bring something to it. And Nia DaCosta, like, I wasn't the biggest fan of Candyman, but I think I there loved some Candyman, visuals. Yeah. And Tiana Paris was in that too. And so there were some visuals, though, in that movie that felt very striking visually, where this doesn't have that. This basically feels like, okay, she almost was a supervisor, you know, working at the Marvel facility uh, for this production and making sure everything was kind of um, yeah, being Yeah, it does have the Marvel look together, to it, right? Where, again, yeah. going to go back to Loki, the production design and the cinematography in that show and just the aesthetic of that show, all the like, you know, even though it's digital grain and digital, you know, additives onto the footage, and but the lighting in that show has such a you know, I love when Marvel kind of breaks out of their look, right? And this does have that slick Marvel look to it. And I get it because it's one of the big team up movies. It's it's bound to look like that. But um I like it's when washed they break out from, in, in some ways, yeah. right? Like that's kind of how like you would describe like that that slick look that kind of has a televisual quality to it. Yeah. Which nothing wrong with it. I just uh, I prefer when they kind of. Ch- I I wish they experimented more with cinematography and making their films look a little bit different from one another. Um, some negatives. I'm not necessarily a negative, but Sam Jackson is Nick Fury. Probably one didn't <laughs> need to be in this movie. Two, just. Not even phoning it in, but just I, I bless Sam Jackson for being like, I'll keep taking these paychecks. Like, I'll, I'll what do I have to do? Like, Can I sit in a chair? And yeah, do that's what I mean. I'm like, he's <laughs> sitting for what feels like 60% of the movie. And like, it's, because he basically becomes um, the babysitter to the Khan family throughout yeah. this entire thing. And that's yeah. basically his job. And, and yelling, and, and you brought up a really good point with that secret invasion aspect of like, okay, well, yeah, where is his wife in all of this? So is this before Secret Invasion on the timeline or not? And is Secret Invasion like the Eternals, like most of the Incredible Hulk uh, going to kind of be ignored, you know? And and we keep talking about Loki. What I love about Loki is that it does feel like its own thing, even though it still very much connects to it. And I think watching that season finale this week, I was reminded how far that character has progressed and what Tom Hiddleston has done with that role in, in this season in particular. He's he's one of the amazing. Yeah. And he's the up there with Iron Man and Captain America, I think in that top and Thor in that top five, top four MCU characters, I think at this point, like I think that character from where it started as, sort of the villain in both the Avengers and and the first Thor movie and being the first big, you know, villain of an Avengers movie. And then from where he goes throughout dark world and Ragnarok and infinity war and, and, and then you branch into the Loki series and uh, it's just amazing. Um, And I hope something with like Brie Larson's Captain Marvel to bring it back around that, you know, Loki didn't like Loki. I thought was, People, he was a fan favorite in those early movies, but I don't think until you know Avengers and and even again when he started getting more and more of a spotlight, and I think he came out of his shell in Ragnarok and um and then his sacrifice in Infinity War for Thor, and then how you continue that, I, I just think maybe there's hope that they can figure out the Captain Marvel character. But now after 
I think the reaction of these two movies, um, not just from misogynistic assholes, but just from, you know, the public and, and box office and stuff. Like I can't see Captain Marvel being like what they thought she was going to be, like the Captain America, like the leader of the Avengers. I don't know at this point. Like, and I don't know who is, but um Well, that's the problem. I, it really doesn't yeah. feel like there's one person that stands out in that way that you're describing with maybe the exception of Loki um, when it comes to like what who's going to lead the next generation and you know I, I think maybe if we we talk about this a little bit um, it, it's a little bit dated now just in terms of some of the fact checking and information but that variety article was really interesting in, yeah. in terms of like what it was talking about where like it almost felt sort of aimless in where this narrative was going and the stuff with Kang um, and sort of that next phase of uh, Avengers movies, because what everybody, I think audiences became aware that not only were these movies shared universes and shared sort of storylines, but there was a, a, a goal that was being built towards a, a villain that was in the shadows that was threatening that. Yeah had that you sort of immediacy in the avengers yeah and then yeah. everything felt like with the infinity stones i felt like there was a tangible you know actual physical thing and then it was very easy to conceptualize the bad thing that could happen if someone got all of them right even if you didn't know until mark ruffalo explains the or dr no Wong explains the infinity stones later. Like you still kind of knew that those were all very important. Right. And I still think what we have the bangles, the quantum bands, we get the reveal of that in this movie that um, they are titled the quantum bands and that they all also deal with space and time, which are then connected to the 10 rings, which is why I think we see that post-credit sequence in Shang-Chi, which will then probably, you'll need the bangles and the 10 rings probably to take on what we think is still Kang. The Loki finale leaves it in a place where it could be Kang, or you could easily be like, TVA took care of him. We're watching them and Kang's fine. He's not a threat and we yeah. can move on to something else. Dr. So Doom like, or Galactus. Yeah. Or like you could like go that. either way. And I think that's them buying themselves time with, you know, the trial that's upcoming with Jonathan majors and things like that. Um, and even with, we can move on to the very end, unless you had anything else about the, the main bit of the movie, but we can move on to kind of the post credits and the future of the MCU. Um, we get two sequences, one setting up young Avengers, which I think we all knew they'd probably set up at some point because of all the young stars they're bringing in, in the shows and the movies. So you're going to have, you know, Kate Bishop, uh, Kamala Khan, uh, uh, Catherine Newton. Um, uh, you're going to have probably America Chavez. Yeah. Um, so uh, Gomez. Uh, yeah. So Gomez, you're going to have, uh, I don't know. Are you going to have the twins from WandaVision? Who else do we have as young kids? Do we really want the twins from WandaVision? I I feel like some of these characters, like, Um, they're, 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 like, I get those ones that you mentioned. Yeah, it does feel like, okay. One, they're a little too young, but they didn't have that oh, Hulk's much personality. Son. I keep forgetting about that. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> and then Thor's daughter. I don't know. Are we gonna like? I don't think so. She's too young. But like, there's got to be like be, one person um, who's like a little too old for the group. Yeah, that's we were like, saying like you know a little bit like, creepy, but like older. Like they're and who's gonna lead these? Like I, I mean, I'd they, say they Peter Parker, that, but like yeah, it's just you. If if Marvel has their way, 
I would personally say you have another Spider-Man movie that is a ground level Spider-Man movie, right? With him going back to his roots with the OG costume. And then Kate Bishop's also in New York. Kamala Khan's in Jersey. Like, I think you have to have, and I think you set it in New York too, because of like the, and you make it kind of an homage to that first Avengers movie. Um, you even with the the scene is the Nick Fury scene with Kamala Khan poking fun at it with Iron Man, um, uh, recruiting Kate Bishop. So like, I think you, oh, and Iron Heart too. So you have a good yeah. group of like, I think of young heroes that I, I like I, that sounds awesome to me and you call it young Avengers. You make it this big thing. I hope it's a movie, not a TV show. And I think if you're smart, you get Peter Parker. You've already had him in two gigantic Avengers movies, right? You can still have him part of, of secret wars. Obviously. I don't know if you need him in Kang dynasty, but like if you have, um, have you you got to have him in Kang Dynasty. You have to have Spider-Man is like the big selling point still. You have him in both movies, you think? I guess you, you have do, to. Right? Yeah. He's so, such like Spider-Man is like the Batman of the MCU where But then like, then he's probably and, not in Young Avengers then. Like I don't. Well, think. they'll, they'll renegotiate dreaming. his contract. Yeah, they, they, yeah. I think you have to you want to get him in as many of these movies as you can because Spider-Man's always been is the most a popular, selling yeah. point, right? And especially yeah. if you bring back Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans for um the Avengers movies that they're they're working on. Probably Secret but, Wars, probably not Kang Dynasty. Yeah, because they're not gonna be they're not yeah, they're not gonna be in, in all of them, but you can get someone like Spider-Man and, and I think like right now where the Marvel studio sort of complex is you need something that is going to be a fail safe, right? That will yeah. make a and lot Spider-Man of money will always be that. Yeah. 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 I agree. If you can get them in young Avengers, which then sets up what, how they help out in Kang dynasty and, and secret wars. Then I think you, you do that. Um, I, I, I would try my ass off to try to do that because I, I worry a young Avengers movie without someone like Spider-Man in there. I don't know if people care, but you minute you put Peter Parker in there with them, like it, it's like putting Robert Downey Jr. in this first Spider-Man movie. It would have succeeded either way, but to connect it to the MCU and and um, and things like that, like I, I think you have you have to have Peter Parker in a young Young Avengers movie. Personally, um, so that's exciting. I, I've always thought the Young Avengers was a fun concept. I always thought one of the phases, my prediction, or if I was running Marvel, and maybe you're you're kind of um, if you use the name too much, it kind of loses its its gusto or its value. But I thought one phase of all Avengers movies would be fun, where um, you have Young Avengers, you have Dark Avengers, you have Secret Avengers, which Thunderbolts is Dark Avengers essentially. So it's Spotlight like Spotlight Avengers, um, um, yeah, <laughs> a West Coast Avengers, like uh, Alpha Flight. Um, oh God, we won't get good. Alpha Flight until the X Men, which leads into the the other post credit sequence. So at the end of the oh film, baby, I hear the news the- <laughs> is calling, Pascalid and scrambled eggs. Um, I thought it was funny the way that they kind of even the movie doesn't care about the villain because um, uh, she's just kind of thrown into space and explodes. And then I'm like, oh, we got still got like 20 minutes left, it seems, of this movie. And you're like, OK, so the villain's just gone. So then uh, which they gave away in the trailers of like punching a hole in in space and time because of their light powers, just all nonsense. But whatever. Who cares? Um yeah. 
uh, punches a hole in space and time. And then Monica has to go and sacrifice herself much like, you know, repairing it on the other side to close it, like to close it. And what Tony was going to do in in the first Avengers movie, when he goes up into space with the the nuclear bomb and stuff like that. So anyways, Monica goes in, uh, they give her powers through the bangles and Captain Marvel's powers. And then she flies through this space time wormhole and then, um, and gets trapped on the other side. And then the movie ends with Carol, uh, stealing their home <laughs> and then like, um, and then living in Louisiana, it's Louisiana, right? Um, yeah. yeah uh, and taking their home and living on earth. So Captain Marvel back on earth. That's interesting. Um, we get the tease about the young Avengers. Uh, Kamala's back in Jersey, obviously. And then we get a post credit scene with uh, Kelsey Grammer reprising his role as Beast from the Fox X-Men films. Now looking a lot like Mark Ruffalo's Hulk with the CG uh, face, but he's blue with fur. Um, yeah. Kelsey's one but, one uh, thing or was stipulation basically was like, no more. Do makeup. I have to do I have to wear the weight makeup again? It's like, no, we just can take. Some I get actors. And- yeah, I get actors. Probably not. I remember about Dave Bautista at the end of the Guardians movies was just like, I don't can we I can't do this makeup over and over again. That's why he wears yeah. a vest in most of the movie <laughs> or like a jacket and a vest because they're like, OK, you don't have to paint your whole body. So anyways, Kelsey Grammer finally in the MCU, what everyone everyone's like, oh, X-Men, X-Men, you know who we we all want to see Kelsey Grammer, baby. <laughs> he's back in Frasier on Paramount Plus and he's back in the Marvel Universe. So anyways, you get um, Monica Rambeau uh, in kind of a hospital bed. Uh, she sees her 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 mother uh 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 appear uh who is not uh who doesn't recognize her uh is actually playing a character called oh god i looked i i knew this before like i'll, I'll look it up in a second it's not but, maria um, rambo played yeah. by latasha lynch but the it's still yeah. latasha it lynch is maria rambo the, but yeah. yeah but she doesn't have a daughter in this universe and she's i think one of the x-men not yeah uh just herself so she and then kelsey Grammer walks in as beast uh says that you know uh charles wants to see you essentially and then um uh sets up more x-men stuff and whether this is the universe it's it's not the universe we saw uh with her in doctor strange and the multiverse of madness where she was captain marvel it's another different universe where you know there's another charles xavier whether this is um we assume it's the Patrick Stewart one because of Kelsey Grammer as Beast. Although Kelsey Grammer as Beast could just be the older version of Nicholas Holt's Beast, so it could just be so the first the class older. version. But but that yeah. isn't that a part of the continuity of yeah? I guess it is. Like James McAvoy is supposed to morph into Patrick Stewart at one point, right? Like <laughs> morph. morph. Um, this one's for you, morph. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, uh, we get an X, another X Men tease, which continues that because in Miss Marvel we got the tease that she is a mutant at the end of that series. Uh, so it really does seem like they are setting up the secret wars stuff, right? Like all of this stuff has to come back in either Kang dynasty or secret wars, most likely secret wars, um, with a little bit of setup in Kang dynasty, whether that's where they still go. But I still think secret wars is on the table, whether they continue with Kang or not. I think that's the biggest question, but, um, and we're also going to ignore Namor for right now. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, Namor will be back, but, um, yeah, I, uh, I, I don't know. Like I'm, I didn't 
pop for Kelsey Grammer as Beast. I, I don't know. Like the Fox X-Men movies, I, I do enjoy. Um, I guess Kelsey Grammer being the one thing is, is sort of funny. Um, and you assume that some people are saying that this is probably the future that happens at the end of Days of Future Past where Wolverine changes things. And um, that's the future that continued after that movie which would make sense um or or maybe you know with next year there only being one marvel movie coming out which is deadpool 3 maybe that which is going to be a good thing yeah yes i I, i'm oh we could see this in that as well um which does bring in the loki stuff too right because the tva is going to be in deadpool 3 rumors but it's looking like it will be that right where, you know, Deadpool has to jump around and either get the X-Men from the Fox universe or kill them or whatever he has to do. I don't know. Um, It'll be interesting, but um, yeah, I, um, the post credit scene I think is intriguing, but didn't really get me like, Holy shit. Like I did sort of have it spoiled. I didn't know exactly. Uh, I think I saw a tweet, weeks ago that said Kelsey Grammer was going to be in the post-credit scenes of the Marvels. Just randomly <laughs> Kelsey someone. Grammer will return uh, in yeah. Avengers Kang dynasty. Yeah. Yeah. Or secret wars. So um, it seems like what we think they're going to do is secret wars is what they are going to do, which is going to unite every Marvel movie and every Marvel universe. So you're probably going to have the Spider-Men come back. If you can get them to come back, you're going to get a lot of the Fox X-Men back. I wouldn't even surprise if you could get, you know, deeper cuts like, you know, the Fantastic Four, even, you know, Chris, Chris uh, Evans, Evans playing, maybe uh, playing Human Torch at one point too, right? Like, Johnny I think you're going to get, it's going to be fan service, the movie, yeah. which Nick again, Cage is Ghost Rider. <laughs> oh, I, dude, I, I would not be surprised if Nick Cage appeared in the Flash as a fake Superman he never played. Like, he's coming back as Ghost Rider, right? Like, I think essentially the the ongoing theory that i've had and many people is that yes in like the time heist where they had to jump around and get all the infinity stones they'll have to jump around and assemble an avengers team throughout time and space and universes right so and that's going to be your big portal moment in in the thing it'll be derivative a little bit but it'll be fan servicey but i mean they did fan service very very well in endgame uh so i have sort of faith that it I mean, that's all you want from that thing could be fan servicey. And and I know in Secret Wars, it's not exactly what people think. Like there's a place called Battle World where uh, I believe it's Doctor Doom, not Kang or the Beyonder. Um, and they think in the MCU, Beyonder is a separate character, but like Kang Prime might be a Beyonder Kang. And then that will be like the head Kang. Um, and then sends people to Battle World and from different universes. It gets really you know just wait and watch it yeah like unless you read through it and read all those comics you just wait and uh, me trying to explain it doesn't and who knows what they're going to do because the mcu always does their own twist on things so um i think it's interesting setup um but i I don't know when we're going to get that payoff right like we've been waiting for the payoff for multiple post-credit scenes from the eternals and well not even a payoff though just just a hint of like what uh, to follow yeah. like what's yeah. what's the through line for this phase or or what what are we building towards you know like what and i what, think loki season we... two does a good job probably the best job of anything yet 
that for being its own thing, but also making me go, okay, I kind of see where you're going with this a little bit. Um, yeah. And the TVA being a part of Deadpool three means that that will probably continue. Um, but overall fun movie. Um, I'm excited for the future. It does give me hope, uh, to bring back to what I said earlier. Cause like I was going through my MCU rankings with my wife and you know, we've got some stinkers, right? Like in the last phase and stuff, Ooh. like I had Eternals, Quantum Mania, uh, Secret Invasion, all near the bottom of my MCU ranking, like near the bottom with the Incredible Hulk, uh, with um, Thor The Dark World, like in that bottom 10, three recent projects were in that bottom 10. And then don't get me wrong, you have things like I really enjoyed Miss Marvel. I was on the side of really enjoying She-Hulk for what it was. Like and No Way Home obviously, again fan service the movie, but I think it worked really really well. Um there have been I liked Wakanda Forever. There has been some uh, Guardians, you like Guardians 3, 3 quite a bit. Like I think that's the most emotional I've been in a in a Marvel movie in a long time where it actually hit me emotionally. And that hit me at a time where, you know, after my mental breakdown earlier this year, like it was the first movie going back to theaters that I saw all the way through. And after not going for three, four months and, uh, you know, I think the emotion with rocket story and that movie just really connected with me. So that movie I still think is pretty high on my, on my ranking. So, you know, it's just been an up and down kind of thing. Right. And I, that's why I say, don't count them out. I think if you get the right filmmakers, I think if you, again, calling for its funeral, the MCU's funeral. <laughs> Sorry, you did the me, thumbs up thing. Came oh, up. did it? Did yeah. it? Sorry. Like that. Uh, you just did it. Yeah. Um, calling for the death of the MCU or thinking that it'll go the way of the musical or the Western the or uh, like, yeah, or the Dodo, um, I think is too early. Um, will superhero movies be the thing? anymore i i still think they will be for a little while until whatever the next thing is whether they're video game movies or whatever the fuck we decide on as a society to really uh become popular but i saw someone else tweet being like hey i i was there throughout the time where everyone made fun of me for liking comic books so i'm okay going back to that too right if they become this nerdy thing that only niche dorks like and like niche thing like if people if they're not mainstream anymore and the people kind of gave up on them because it became oversaturated like i'll probably always be there and uh i still have faith though that you know we're very simple people right like and people love nostalgia people love fan service so like what we're going to get all those old Avengers back. We're going to bring back all those characters and people will come back for that. But like, how much can you keep going to that? Well, you still need to develop new characters that people give a shit about and new stories. So, um, you know, even with Loki talking about how it's such top tier MCU, that is a character that has been around for 15 years, right? It's not a new character. Yeah. They told new stories with it, pulling from a lot of different comics, but, um, I don't in Spider-Man, same thing. No way home being really, really great. Like we need a Marvel movie to be like a new character. And I think like Shang Chi got pretty close. Like, I think that movie is still pretty dope. Like, um, and sort of underrated at this point, because I don't feel like many people talk about it as like top tier Marvel stuff. But, um, I think that movie rules, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I think calling for its death, 
a little too early. That Variety article, um, while I understand and I thought it was fascinating, um, I I can't fathom it just going away. But this box office does. Um, I think it's a good thing that Deadpool three is the only movie we have next year. I will put it that way. Like a little yeah, bit the of the oversaturation yeah. doesn't help when it comes to you know the the number of storylines you have to follow in both a feature narrative format and long running, you know, series. So that's a lot for anybody to commit to, you know, when it comes to just one form of entertainment, but two over the spanning of of different mediums and what characters you want to follow? Do you watch them all? Do you only watch some of them? There, there's just a lot to consider. And even with those Easter eggs where they'll bring in characters that feel like, okay, they're, you know, the F level character in a way uh, to a storyline, like the way that, you know, Charlie Theron's character was brought into the Dr. Strange movie at the end. And you're kind of like, okay, who is this? And yeah. and it's like even Marvel fans at this point are like like the comic book fans are like really you're bringing in Star this Fox? character? <laughs> yeah, or or Harry Styles, right? As yeah, as Thanos' I... half brother, like it just feels yeah. like well, what's the point of all this? Um, and and it you know some of these characters do feel like okay, let's bring them in, see how the fans react, see how audiences react, and then we'll gauge from there if we put them in future Marvel movies, if we put them in Avengers films, because even with the Guardians, it took, you know, two movies to really bring them into the rest of the MCU. And so And they've still you, been pretty separate other than that. Yeah. Like, gotta keep them separated. Um so when you have Daredevil now being brought back in and when yeah. you have She-Hulk kind of being brought in Deadpool, yeah. these characters blade you know what is going on with blade is that ever going to happen i mean mahershali is one of those guys yeah. that you want like if anything he would make an amazing leader um you know going down the line because he has you know the charisma the the the, the acting chops the just the incredible presence but it just feels like okay that movie has been rewritten scrapped and then you know started again and now i think they're trying to get back into production this year or next year so you know like a lot of this stuff kind of feels like it's half baked at times and not completely thought out where it's like okay like even with echo echo being a character or 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 agnes harkness like agatha harkness like it just feels like okay well these characters were kind of popular within the storylines that we were creating, maybe we can, you know, make something. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, you don't have to. No, I I agree with that. And like, if, if I'm playing like backseat, you know, Kevin Feige, like if I, if I fucking get to take his consciousness and take control, like the Disney plus stuff, I think was unfortunately a little bit of the downfall, right? That, contributed to the oversaturation that contributed to the quality control. Um, you know, I think it's when you try to do, uh, big gigantic blockbuster style stories on TV, it can be done. We've seen it in game of Thrones, last of us, a lot of HBO stuff has huge budgets and it it works, but they also put out one gigantic show every year, right? Maybe two. And the rest are kind of smaller 
dramas that don't cost nearly as much and stuff like that, right? Where Marvel, when you're trying to do the same scale you do in a $250 million movie, when you're doing it for TV, I feel like their approach needed to be different and to have all the TV stuff also connect with the movies, like I think was just a bad idea. Like it's asking too much from people to your point that you just brought up, Eric, like they almost needed to think of it as, is two separate things that are part of the same universe, but not part of the same story. Does that make sense? Like, yes, yes. It's all taking place in the MCU, but the Disney plus stuff needed to be almost focused. Like what Netflix did. I can't believe I'm giving them credit of like, of street level, you know, grounded, not special effects, heavy stories that can connect to their own thing. So have two phases, right? You have the Kang, multiverse story that's going on in the movies and then in the tv shows maybe you have the street level kind of thing where you could have built a kingpin up or or someone um to be the thanos of the tv shows right and then you have all those street level shows that are on disney plus so you have two streams to follow you can either follow all the tv shows and then those will connect to a team up movie like they did with defenders uh, on netflix um, and then that's one thing. And then the movies are its thing. Right. And then I feel like you could have had your cake and eat it too, to the point of, yes, it's all still connected. The TV show characters could show up in a movie, but it's probably only going to be an Avengers movie or, or something like that. Um, or cameo like daredevil cameo. In, in, yeah. Uh, no way home. Yeah. Or Valkyrie here. Right. Like it's just, but I know what you're saying from the TV to the movies or something like yeah. that, but I just mean like a character just showing up. And yes, it's part of the same universe. They can talk to one another, blah, 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 blah. But you're not expecting Iron Man to show up in in fucking the Disney Plus shows. There's never that expectation. But once you start having these gigantic characters that are either connected to another gigantic character that we know from the movies but are, is never going to actually show up or you try to do a big thing like Secret Invasion – uh, on a TV show, but the only Avenger you can get is Don Cheadle and like all this kind of stuff. Like it's, and look how they, they messed that up on secret invasion. I know. So I just kind of wish they kept them separate, right? Like compartmentalize even, the narratives a little bit more. Right. And, and, and have keep them in with a structure, have the saga. And yes, maybe secretly the street level, uh, Avengers that you're going to set up, uh, could, you know, be a huge part of the bigger saga, but like you can reveal that much later and it's not like they're still building to their own thing. It's right. It's like when we talk about seeing like the, the first half of a movie where you're like, okay, I can't, you know, judge it until the whole thing, it still needs to be its own thing. Right. <laughs> so waiting for many, Dune too. <laughs> and too many of the TV shows. Yes, they are their own thing, but I think they, they pitch this of like, it's all connected. It's all leading into the multiverse saga. It's all this. And like, everything has a hint to it or, or when it doesn't, people are disappointed. And, uh, I don't know, maybe I'm overthinking it, but like, that's what, in hindsight, that's maybe what I would have done saying like, yeah, it's MCU, even th with them making this new MCU label being like Marvel's spotlight. What the hell are they calling it? And I that forget. logo looks and awful. Like, like it looks like it looks from like the early 2000s. 2000s. Yeah. Um, so even if you would have, when you first did Disney plus come up with some other label, right. And be like, yes, it's all MCU, but this is MCU TV. So it's, but then I guess you don't want a lesser 
Like I get their thinking of going, well, we don't want people to think that this is just diet MCU, right? Like this isn't as good as the real thing. So I get them going, we're going to do film quality TV shows on Disney plus, and then look at them a couple years down the line going, Oh no, maybe we should have showrunners and, and show Bibles and like actually treat these like TV shows and not like movies. And you're like, yeah, when you split up a movie into five parts, it becomes disjointed. And the last episode feels like it's rushed or it feels like it doesn't stick the landing because I'm watching it in little 30 minute to an hour parts that, I forget what happened last week. And yes, you gave me a recap, but you'll lose momentum and all this kind of stuff, right? Like um, if, if Captain Marvel was four episodes, if the Marvels was four episodes on Disney plus broken up, I don't think it works as well as just being an hour and 40 minute movie. Right. And there's many of those, like me going to school now to be an editor and stuff like that. And I know there's lots of people online that do this and I haven't watched other people's things, but I would just be curious of doing my own version of like cutting some of these Disney plus shows into movies and seeing if they work a little bit better, Um, which they probably would, but it's also just fascinating what they, what Kevin Feige chooses to make a series versus a film, because, you know, Moon Knight could have easily been a film. It could have been a two hour movie, but then you look at something like armor wars, which was supposed to be a series and now is being retrofitted as a film so like what was the thinking behind that in terms of probably scale i'm assuming is like oh what we want to do here is too big for a tv show when it comes to action set pieces or things like that and i i think even with loki there's been conversation where they had to rewrite episode five because the original script they had even though everyone loved it was just too too big of an idea for them to do on Disney plus, like for the, whatever the budget or who they could get or, or something like that. So they changed it where, you know, that makes me think, and I've seen other people talk about it too, where they they might've wanted to time slip into different moments of the MCU history. Right. But then they're like, they can't get all those people back. And like, it might've been like a really cool idea, but because you're on Disney plus and you have a limited amount of budget per episode, like it, it, it doesn't work the same way, but, but then it wants yeah. to still be as ambitious as a film as a because movie, you look yeah. at, you know, uh, a Falcon and, uh, the winter soldier, that series where yeah. that first episode, like started off with that big kind of set piece where they're like, no, we're going to be as, you know, bombastic and exuberant and, and literal as any of the films that you've seen. And then it's like, uh, maybe we're going to scale it down a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't our budget on that first episode. We're entering a brave new world of the MCU, uh, no pun intended, but uh, actually very much uh, intended. But uh, I think a little bit of a breather, a little bit of a break, even as much as I like the Marvels and as much as I fucking loved Loki, both seasons put together, um, I'm okay. Like Loki felt like the perfect finale. I've seen some people being like that could have been the finale of the MCU and I would have been satisfied, right? Like yeah. if that's how it ended and that was the last shot we got and you know that would have been incredible. I'm fine with it continuing. Um I want it to continue too, uh but I'm okay with like this is what I said about Star Wars, like Disney I get it. You're a giant conglomerate. You want to make as much money as possible. You have theme park rides to sell. You got merchandise. Like I get Martin it. Martin Scorsese but, to annoy. <laughs> yeah. But you, you gotta also think about it long term. of like, if you just beat people over the head with something, they're going to start to kind of push it away. Right? Like if you're force feeding it, 
people are going to go, I'm getting sick of this. I don't want fucking candy every day. <laughs> like I don't want candy every day. I, I love going to McDonald's, but if I had a Big Mac every fucking day, I'm going to start to vomit and want something else. I want vegetables. So like, yeah, it's like, but then if I don't have McDonald's for a long period of time and then I have a Big Mac again and I'm like, fuck, I, I can't remember the last time I had a Big Mac or it's been a while since I had a Big Mac, that Big Mac hits so fucking hard i hope my analogy hits as but also it's a big mac though right like that i think that's yeah. another thing it's like you go to mcdonald's for the big mac or or something like yeah. that you're not going for the fish fillet and 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 i feel like marvel is also trying to make the fish fillet of their universe do you think a fillet of fish is like an elevated mcdonald's item is that what you're trying to say or, or well, like, no 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 they're trying to elevate it they're yeah, they're yeah. trying so kevin feige's trying to take the fish fillet uh the fillet of fish and make like whatever that version is like say ghost sure. rider or 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 sure. whatever echo or someone like that right and it's taking that and it's trying to make it the Big Mac and sell it to you like it's the Big Mac. And it's I'm, not the Big Mac. But here, Iron Man was that. I will push back where Iron Man was a character that wasn't a top tier Marvel character. Maybe not on the same level as Echo or something like that. Or I still Ant-Man, think it's but, but, there's, but there's still a it's lot possible. of It's possible. Just make a good movie and good characters. That's all. Like, you can take a character or that's like an Ant-Man or something. Use them wisely. Don't make yeah. them the centerpiece. Don't sure. make them the individual film or series put them in a group i think that's partly why we haven't gotten another hulk movie really because well, it's, the rights it's like, just went back to them right but, well the rights just went back but also it's look how big of a failure that character has been and a bit of a clout on the brand so i think when you know you're going to the bottom of the barrel and you're trying to sell something that maybe would be best used as a side character or a garnish in something and trying to make it more than what it is. I think that hurts it a little bit as well, where if you take it and use it appropriately and, and, yeah. and complement something, then you can sell that. But I don't want to have, you know, the filet of fish as my, uh, as, as my um, sort of uh, main course, you know, mm-hmm. I, I want it over and to, over again. Yeah. And, and I feel like right now, like with that Ant-Man movie earlier this year, especially with that film being the third in that in that franchise, it's like we don't need three individual Ant-Man movies. <laughs> we especially just, we just needed to, one. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. And I think a little bit of separation from everything. Like, here's the future right now. So we had this year, I forgot we had Quantumania, Guardians 3, and the Marvels. Next year. We are just getting Deadpool three. Um, I'm the TV shows. We're going to get echo in January. We're getting what if in December, I believe right next month. Um, and we're going to get X-Men 97 at some point next year. But I think those are the only shows as well that are in the pipeline, at least coming out that are coming out next year. It looks like daredevil. They're reshooting it. Uh, uh benson and and benson and moorhead is it yeah uh looks like they did such a great job on loki season two funny thing right moon knight not so great they bring them in for loki season two they crush it so they bring them on to daredevil 
uh, to well, Kate Heron, I think, those. deserves a lot of credit, though, for I agree setting too, yeah. them up for season two. Oh, absolutely. Two. I'm just saying they did a good job with season two yes. with with Eric Martin, not to be uh, mistaken with Eric Marchin. God, I um, wish I had the money he was making. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, yeah, we only have Deadpool 3, and then I'll try to find the TV shows here in a second. But, um, but that's good. Have- I think taking that breather, because even on the DC side of things, superhero-wise – I don't think we're getting much next year until Superman in, in 2025. Right. Yeah. And maybe that is the silver lining of the actors and writer strikes. Now we'll that they've been resolved from superhero stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so maybe we'll get back to some blockbusters that are a little bit more kind of, of a different time, you know, maybe something. Cause I mean like next year, uh, Warner Brothers has a lot of stuff coming up. You know, they have the sequel to Dune or part two. They have Furiosa, uh, the Bong Joon-ho movie, uh, Mickey 17. Um, So there's a lot there. Maybe that'll be uh, exciting in itself to see something that's not as kind of connected to anything else and just its own, you know, specific point of view. Yeah. And then you have... Captain America Brave New World in February 14th, 2025. Fantastic Four, May 2nd, 2025. Uh, Thunderbolts, July 25th, 2025. And then Blade, November 7th, 2025. So back to four MCU movies in a year. They'll move one of them. Yeah, I know. There's no way. We don't need four, uh, ironically, for Fantastic Four. Um, And then you have Blade in, in... Oh, I said that, that part of that four. And then you're getting Avengers Kang Dynasty, May 1st, 2026, and Avengers Secret Wars, May 27th, 2027. So keeping a year in between those two movies, which I think is much better than the six months that they said before. No Shang-Chi sequel, huh? Well, Shang-Chi isn't on this schedule right now. So the other movies, you have Armor Wars, Shang-Chi sequel, X-Men, and a No Way Home sequel. So those are the four that don't have directors or dates other than Destin Daniel Cretton is supposed to be doing Kang Dynasty and maybe also the Shang-Chi sequel. I I also But I kind of find that I just forgot about this as well. And it's not directly connected, but I get it's it's tangentially connected to it. Um, Even though we're only getting one MCU movie, we're still getting Madam Webb and Craven and the yeah and that we're not including probably <laughs> craven we're not although they'll probably who the fuck knows what the post credit scene it'll be fucking paul giamatti's rhino or something at the end um i'm the rhino and then he's like i need you rhino <laughs> like um yeah. and then michael keaton a battle of the axe what am i what am i doing here <laughs> um so yeah i think madam webb Here's the thing with Secret Invasion and the multiverse stuff that they're doing, like Madam Web and well, Spider Verse, Spider Verse right? could also all be doing their own things. But the Spider Man movies might be doing their own multiverse thing, which they are obviously with the Spider Verse movies. But then I wouldn't even be surprised to see, you know, with that reveal that uh, 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 that the MCU is sort of in the same sort of universe. Cause we see the prowler from the MCU in the spider verse movie that like, there could be something there of, of crossover in those final movies too. If you're going to unite every single Mar- Marvel universe. So, um, yeah. And then on the TV show side of things, 
I'm trying to see what we have up because I want to see if I'm right. So Loki. Yeah. So there's a lot that has been shot or has, you know, at least been shooting. So we have what if, which is going to be December of this year, echo on January 10th and all episodes at once for echo, as well as uh, it being on Hulu as well as Disney plus. So that's interesting. Then we have Agatha Darkhold Diaries. So that, that is name has changed multiple times, right? Yeah. So that is late 2024, um, which does have Jack Schaefer coming back from WandaVision. So I am curious about it. Not that I ever needed an Agatha uh, TV series, but you know, I like. But who knows? Maybe involved. maybe it'll be like Loki, where we're not expecting what it could yeah totally because wandavision was great right and then yeah. uh and then you have Ironheart, which did shoot as well right like they're already done shooting that too right because unless they're have, doing reshoots or like they they're still working on posts because yeah because sure anthony ramos was the villain right and then there's yeah. rumors that sasha baron cohen is playing mephisto um <laughs> which is incredible um and that's supposed to come out it, it keeps getting pushed as well because of post-production, but that could be a special effects heavy show because of the, the whole iron heart suit and stuff like that. Um, and then with Agatha, I like that you have Aubrey Plaza and Patty Lapone and, and, and people um, in that series as well, but I have no idea um, what that series is going to be. So it looks like we are going to get Agatha and echo next year. So two shows, I doubt we get iron heart, but maybe we do um it just depends depends. on like the post-production aspect of it because that does seem like that will take the most time um but we haven't heard with these three shows there hasn't been a lot of fan speculation or kind of like that oversaturation you know in in that way so that's kind of nice where it doesn't feel like you've been been bombarded completely by them yet um so I agree as a yawn. All right. Well, thank you everyone to our deep dive into the MCU as well as the Marvels. We haven't even given a score to the Marvels yet. Uh, I really liked it. This is me probably being generous, but I'm going to give it a three and a half. I liked it quite a bit. I'll give it three, three out of five. It's a mid tier uh, MCU movie. It's better than Captain Marvel, but kind of forgettable overall in terms of like once you've watched it you probably won't think about it too much in terms of like where it is within uh the mcu but it's fun it's light i think nia DaCosta understood the assignment quite well um and actually please get more movies that are an hour and 45 minutes within the comic book world they don't all have to be self-indulgent and pretentious they aren't. Eric's just being a dick. Well, um, not some of them are, are with gonna, their length. So I'm not going to comment on a certain three and a half hour movie that came out that I still haven't seen. <laughs> that you still um, haven't seen. So you, that's not fair either. That's why I'm not commenting on it. That's why I said but you I'm are commenting, commenting on it by not commenting I'm not, on it. I'm not commenting it up. on it. I'm not commenting on it. Um, what are the chances? <laughs> I forgot. I'm like, oh, those are all the TV shows that have been announced. Never mind. Untitled Wakanda series, Spider Man freshman year, which does look dope. Spider Man sophomore year, I guess that's season two of that show. Marvel Zombies got announced. Wonder Man, that ain't happening. Uh, yeah. Nova series, 
that ain't happening. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, what if season three? That probably will happen. And then Vision Quest, that I could see happening. But if it's connected up, to WandaVision, it probably yeah. has a better if chance Agatha of getting does greenlit. okay. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, uh, until next time, we'll be back uh, to talk about the MCU. Uh, probably with what if uh, we'll probably do a review of that uh, when that drops in December. Um, please go follow us on all those social medias, uh, untitled underscore movies uh, or at Matt Rohrbeck. Uh, please go to our letterbox. That's where our one stop shop for everything at that same handle. Um, in review, you should plug that again. Yeah, please go watch my kind of funny screencast appearance on Loki season two. I was on the uh, premiere episode and the finale episode. I had a ton of love everyone over there. Had a really fun conversation. So you can go check that out on the kind of funny YouTube channel or the kind of funny screencast uh, podcast channel. um, If you want to hear my full thoughts on Loki season two. And I'm Eric Marchin. You can find more of my video reviews on rogerstv.com slash cinema scene. Uh, we have an upcoming interview uh, on this podcast with Todd Haynes, the director of May, December. What would a Marvel movie directed by Todd Haynes look like? I don't know. He probably is not interested, but um, I'm really excited to share that. And uh, you can find me on all the social medias at EM6211. Until next time. Man, if they brought Dolph Lundgren's Punisher into the uh, Secret Secret Wars Wars. or Albert Pune's version of Captain America, (laughs) that'd be pretty good. (laughs) I think they will, man. Bye, everybody.